If you have your seat, I want you to take your Bibles and turn them to Ruth, back in the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter number three. Ruth chapter number three, we've made it to the midpoint of our, our look at the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter number three, and we're going to read verses one and two today. And I want to take for our title the old adage, rest in peace. And uh, we'll, we'll look at that closely here. Rest in peace. No, Ruth, Ruth's not dying, y'all. Y'all know she lives through this, all right? Uh, but I do want to look at under this subject, rest in peace. Look with me at Ruth chapter number 3, verses 1 and 2. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now, is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Rest in peace. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. I need you so much. We need you. God, we need the peace that passes all understanding. The peace that you promised to your disciples that only came from you. Peace not like the world knows, but the peace and security of knowing and believing on Christ. And Father, as we look at these two brief verses, I pray that you'd give us eyes for Jesus, our heavenly kinsman redeemer. And we would be come, to the, come to the realization that there is no peace in this world like his peace. Father, speak to our hearts. Father, we ask this in Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. I'm sure that you recognize that the title of my message is something that is often written on gravestones in cemeteries. The inscription is a phrase to indicate that the deceased who is laying in a coffin six feet under pushing up daisies, is now resting in peace. You know, but that's not always the case. You take, for example, Charles Henry Adkins, also known by his friends as Speedy. He lived in Paducah, Kentucky, and worked on a tobacco farm. Tragically, Speedy drowned in a river in a swimming accident in 1928. Being dirt poor as he was all his life, his body, when his body was recovered, it was kind of turned over to Paducah authorities to turn him over to a pauper's burial. A.Z. Hammock, a nearby mortician, took the body of the deceased man and he thought he'd do a little experimenting with the man to test some things. He used an extensive experimental preservation embalming technique on Speedy, and essentially he mummified poor old Speedy. Then AZ proudly began to display Speedy. I guess he wanted to attract people to his proficiency in embalming, this new frontier technique that he was using. He actually sold tickets to see Speedy in his glass coffin. It turned out to be a pretty good venture. For, for, Mr., uh, for Mr. AZ. Unfortunately, many years later, the Ohio River flooded widely and the rising waters obliterated the, the hammock funeral home. 
and the mummified body of A.C. went floating down the river again. He had to be pulled out of the river a second time. After his body was recovered, the people were amazed at how well-preserved that old Speedy was. Eventually, uh, him, Hammock put him back on display, and there he stayed. Actually, after Hammock died, his wife had the custody of Speedy's remains for the next 45 years. Old Speedy was shown at the, at the Hammock uh, funeral home. But finally, on August the 5th, 1994, at Maple Lawn Cemetery in Paducah, Kentucky, Charles Henry Speedy Adkins was finally buried with a respectful ceremony 66 years after he had drowned in the Ohio River. I guess we could finally say that Speedy now could rest in peace. Well, the way this world is today one might actually think that the only way to find some peace is to die, is to be buried, or, or either hide in a closet for 66 years. That might be a little bit of peace. I don't know. But every one of us wants a restful and peaceful life. That's our desire. There's something in our hearts that desires peace. No, no anxiety. No drama. Don't we enjoy those small respites of life when there is no drama, where everything seems to be tranquil? That's what we all long for. And that's what Naomi wanted for Ruth. For she said in verse 1 of chapter 3, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee? She's not talking about her being in the grave. She's talking about a life of of security, a life of peace, that it may be well with her. In the culture in which she lived in that time, Naomi knew that for the life of a young woman, uh, a young widow would be tenuous enough without being a foreigner in that land. An existence of uncertainty, an existence of always being on the outside. So for her, Ruth, to find rest and peace and security, she would have to marry. Because in that culture, to marry was to be in that place of absolute security in a relationship. The end of our story finds Ruth at peace in the person of Boaz. I don't think there's a person in this room who has not been affected by the brokenness of divorce. Marriage is no longer the answer for security. Just because two people have made vows before God at, a, at an altar does not mean nor guarantee that there'll always be security and peace. You know, see, it wasn't, it's not the same as it was in Naomi's day, and it's not the same in our modern day than it was a generation ago. No real, true, lasting peace, even more so in our day, can only be found in one person. It can only be found through one avenue, and that is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what I want, us, I want to point us to this morning. I want us to notice 
key characteristics about having real, lasting peace. Despite the drama that's going on around us, despite our health anxieties, despite all of the financial woes of the economy and all of the, all of the political anxieties that we may encounter, how can we have real peace in life? I want us to look at this subject of peace under three headings. Number one, I want you to see the internal search for peace. In verse number one, Naomi assures her. He said, my, she said, my daughter, shall I not seek rest? That word rest, it means quietness. It speaks of being settled, a lack of anxiety or restlessness or emptiness. This desire for tranquility is not only what Naomi wants for Ruth, it's what every one of us desire for our lives. Tranquility, a, a, a peacefulness. In this internal search for peace, I want you to see, first of all, when we look at the character of peace in our lives, I want us to see, first of all, peace with the Lord. You see, more than an emotional or mental uh, request or desire, there is a theological necessity of having peace. This great unrest in the heart is not necessarily tied to a marital status or a family lineage or, or the, the emotional relational unrest of a person. It is deep-seated in the heart and goes beyond the outward occurrences. You see, the heart of man and this unrest in the heart of man, it stems from an enmity between man and God. Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. James 4.4, 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Taking these two verses together, we can know theologically that in our natural state, born in this world, man and God are in a state of conflict, of battle with each other. And God has the ultimate, an all-powerful God has the ultimate upper hand. And so therefore, man lives in unrest. Man in his natural state lives in unrest because God must judge sin. Therefore, the center, uh, uh, God must judge, uh, uh, judge, must judge sin. Therefore, the sinner lives the life of a fugitive from the justice of God. Always looking over his shoulder to see if sin has finally caught up with him. Always seeking out places to hide from the coming judgment. The Colossian letter tells us that, the, that those that are outside of Jesus Christ are alienated from God and are enemies of God through wicked works. It is our sin that separates us from God. And so in the heart of every man, no matter what they say, you know, they'll say that they find peace in, in Buddhism or in atheism. They find, listen, innate in the heart, there is an unrest that will always be there because there is a God that judges sin. Peace 
with the Lord is, is a prerequisite of having peace. But then there's also peace in this life. Not only peace with God, but the peace of God. There's a difference between the two. Romans 5 talks about how that we can have peace with God. But Philippians chapter number 4 talks about the peace of God. You see, you can have peace with God by belief and trust in Jesus Christ and still not have the peace of God. They're two different things. The endless search for peace, stability, and satisfaction in life will always come to a conclusion in Christ Jesus. You know as well as I do that just because you have peace with the Lord, you're not guaranteed peace in life. Philip Taylor writes in his book, A Gardener Looks at the Fruits of the Spirit, said this, In the world around, amongst all men, Christian and non-Christian, peace is regarded as one of the supreme attainments. In the tumultuous history of the 20th century, perhaps no greater, no other single subject has occupied more prominence in the hopes dreams, and aspirations of mankind. Peace is ever upon people's minds and lips. It is the profound longing of uncounted millions. Peace is the prize sought for in the, uh, sought for in the depths of the human soul, yet the attribute so often absent. People long for peace. They long for contentment in daily life and certainly about the future and the surety of fulfillment in life. Oftentimes believers, they don't lay hold of the peace that they have in the Lord Jesus. And so they live in in anxiety. They live in an unrestful state, just like the world in many regards. Second of all, not only do we see the internal search for peace, but I want us to see and I want to show us Uh, the external suggestions for peace. External suggestions for peace. You see, the world is no end of suggestions on how you can cure your lack of peace. Matter of fact, we see that in in, uh, in Naomi. Go back to chapter number one and look at verse number nine. Do you remember Ruth, the story of Ruth, how it opens up? And uh, Malon Chilion, the father, um, the father dies as well. Uh, Elimelech dies, Malon Chilion died, uh, Naomi's got no, no other course of action but to return home. <clears throat> and the ladies, Orpha and Ruth, they want to, <coughs> excuse me, they want to follow Naomi. And Naomi's like, no, you can't go with me. And look at what she says in verse 9. The Lord grants you that you may find rest. You notice that word rest. It's the same word that she used to describe what she wanted for Ruth in Boaz in chapter number three. Same word. But you find rest for each, uh, uh, that you may find rest, each of you, where? In the house of her husband. And then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices. Number, verse number eight, she's saying, return to your mother's house. The Lord deal kind with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that he may you may find rest. What's she saying? You should be able to find rest back with your own kind, back with your own home. 
she is sending them to a place where they will not find rest. There's only rest in the one true God. There's only rest in the land of God. You know, Jesus said in John uh, John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This world has many offers for peace. Naomi offered a suggestion for peace for Ruth in, in, in Ruth 1, 9. It was a misguided offer. The world, the flesh, and the devil are constantly giving misguided offers for peace. And so many of us, Christians included, we bite at that hook, line, and sinker. Notice these offers, these suggestions for peace. First of all, we see the offer of possessions. The world readily says that wealth and possessions translate into security and peace. A magazine article on the Comedian Jackie Gleason carried this subtitle, Tragic Facts Never Before uh, Told of the Torment Behind the Comedy Genius Who Earned $3 Million in a Year. His life was a life of loneliness, anguish, and fear. If anybody should have had a light-hearted life, you think, remember Jackie Gleason? I was watching some of his honeymooner stuff. Just genius. So funny. If anybody would have had a light-hearted, peaceful life, he had plenty of money, plenty of everything, and yet he lived a tormented life. It reminds me of what someone has written. Money will buy a bed, but it will not buy sleep. Books will not buy brains. Uh, uh, food, uh, but not an appetite. Finery, but not beauty. A house, but not a home. Medicine, but not health. Luxuries, but not culture. Amusement, but not happiness. You see, wealth and possessions, all it does is send us in a tailspin of apprehension about who can take it, who will take it from us, who will steal it from us. Possessions, the offer of possessions is not an answer for peace. Then there's the appeal of pleasure. Pleasure, a hedonistic lifestyle of pleasure. Many believe that fulfillment and peace are found in the sensual pleasures of life. The senses, the sights, the smells, the touches, the, all of these things. They say there's, there's pleasure and there is peace in pleasure. G.K. Chesterton, who lived, once lived a life culminated in pleasure, said, I have run the silly roads of pleasure and by no means desire to repeat the nauseous dose. Whatever the pleasure may be, It is doomed. It will not lead to peace. Sensual pleasures, pleasures of admiration, pleasures of relationships, they all lead to disappointment and heartbreak. You know, we see when you drive through Chattanooga, you see so many standing on street corners. I think they are an absolute symptom of the drug epidemic that has engulfed our country's prescription drugs. And you know why? Because they want that pleasure. They want that feeling again and again. And it never lasts. It never stays. And all it does is drown them further and further away from peace. Away from tranquility. The appeal of pleasure 
the offer of possessions, the invite of position. Yet others seem to think that a greater importance, a higher percent, a, a position, a greater popularity, it guarantees peace and life. Many of us are familiar with the name Judy Garland, the child star who became a superstar at the age of 17 when she played Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. By 1948, she was a leading movie a, a musical actress in Hollywood, one of the most sought-after actresses of her day. But even in her success, her, her life appeared to be missing something. At the age of 18, she was seeing a psychiatrist. By the age of 28, she attempted suicide. She had four failed marriages. She was addicted to uppers to perform and downers to sleep. She, found, uh, she, found, she was found locked in her bathroom by her fifth husband, sitting with her head slumped over in her lap. Doctors said that she died of an incautious self-dose of sleeping pills. Her daughter, Liza Minnelli, said in a statement shortly after her mother's death, it wasn't suicide, it wasn't sleeping pills, it wasn't cirrhosis. I think it was that she was just tired. Oh, I think it's because she was seeking peace in everything else. Everything else. Remember, Judy Garland is the one that, that held her Oscar on the stage and said, oh, you like me, you really like me. She had the admiration of the world, and yet it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to bring peace. It drove her further and further away, uh, away from peace. Scripture gives us another testimony of a man who had traveled to the end of every road to find peace. He had 700 wives and concubines, possessions of all the wealth the world could offer. He was king over a vast domain. No one was higher than he. And what was his statement? Vanity. Vanity. It's all empty. Ecclesiastes 2.11. Then, then I looked on all the works of my hands had wrought and all the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, it was all vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit under the sun. And how often are we duped into thinking that if I had, if I had just a little more money, just a little more land, just a little more prominence in my community, in my family, just a little bit more of sensual pleasure, oh, that would bring the tranquility that I need in my life. And it's a vapor, it's a bubble, it pops and is empty. These are the enticements. The world has no end to suggestions for what would really bring peace. The internal search for peace, the external suggestions for peace, but also the eternal source for peace. Look at what Naomi wisely said in verse number three. He said, and now, or let me, let me finish with the phrase, my daughter, shall I not seek rest or peace for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now, is not Boaz of our kindred with whose maidens thou wast. Her mind turns to Boaz. Naomi pointed Ruth and Orpha to the wrong place, a place of peace that she thought was peace for them initially. But now she points Ruth to the right place, the right person. Boaz is going to bring you peace. He's going to bring you rest. 
You know, I think it's interesting to think about the difference between the two. Chapter 1 and chapter 3. Naomi is telling them the most ridiculous truth to, uh, to find peace in their old homeland, in Moab, a place that is cursed. If there's any place it's not going to find place, it's not going to be a place God is cursed. Naomi, what are you thinking? And then here, she has the wisdom of pointing her to Boaz. Exactly who is peace? At the, at the time, she, Naomi, only saw, listen to this, Go back with me to chapter number one. Look at verse 11. Remember when the girls wouldn't go? They're going to stay with her. What did she say in verse number 11? She said, turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Naomi offers this absurd solution to them. Ridiculous. Is she going to go home, find another husband, get pregnant, and then have children, raise them so that they could be? That's ridiculous. It makes no sense whatsoever. And yet at the time, it's the only solution that her natural mind could come up with. But when she's back in Bethlehem, she sees clearly, clearly reminds, clearly she remembers <clears throat> the law of God, and the role of the kinsman redeemer. Now, we'll talk about this a lot more in the future, but the role of the kinsman redeemer in the law of God in Deuteronomy says that if a, if a husband dies of a family having no heirs, that his brother will come in and marry his, his widow so that the, he may sire heirs by her, that they may be credited as her, his dead brother's son. That's the law of Moses. It's unthinkable in our day, but that's what God had set forth for the nation of Israel in the early days of the law of God. She never even thought of that when she was in Moab. Never thought of it. It never came to her mind. This is a good lesson about being away from God. Away from God. When you're away from God, when you're in the far country of disobedience from God, don't be surprised when you come to the end of conclusions, the hopeless answers to life's most difficult questions. Don't be surprised that you don't see any way out of a situation. Don't be surprised that you're buried in anxiety and buried in unrest. Don't be surprised. But when we are walking in fellowship with Christ, we see our lives through the lens of God's Word. What's missing? What's missing in Moab when she gives advice there? God's Word. God's Word. When she comes back to Bethlehem, she sees life through the lens of God's Word. Man, what a lesson that is for us. To stay close to the Lord Jesus. And so because of her return to Bethlehem, return to the things of God, return to seeing life through the lens of the law of God, Naomi knew that there was rest for her beloved Ruth. And it only came in one avenue. It only came through a person. 
For us, it's the same. Rest is not found in a place, a possession, a pleasure, a position. Rest is in a person, and it is in Jesus Christ. Rest. Peace. Notice, first of all, the person of peace. Naomi answered the question, shall I not find? She answers her own question. Shall I not find rest for thee? Question mark. Verse number two. Boaz. Boaz is the answer. He had the ability to meet her needs. He had the ability to take her to wife. Now, to bring this desire into the New Testament terms, a relationship with Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord is the real one true answer for our search for peace. Now, someone might think to themselves, wait a minute, Brother Ronnie. You just had a whole point where you inferred that relationships are no answer to peace. Isn't this just another relationship that's going to disappoint? That's going to crack and leave me in the lurch? Can I really, can I really have peace in Jesus? No, Jesus is not like every other relationship because he is the one described in the word of God as being faithful and true. He never betrays a trust. He never breaks his bond. He's the one true lover of our souls for he lays his life down for our deliverance. He is the promise never to leave us nor forsake us and to meet the deepest longings of our heart. Real, true, lasting peace can only be found in Jesus. He is a relationship like none other, an eternal, everlasting relationship. We have in him peace with the Lord, Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and peace in life. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto thee, unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Luke John 16, 33, these things have I spoken unto you that you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. How can we have peace with God? How can we have peace in this life? Because Jesus has peace. Overcome it all. I have a relationship with the one that overcomes it all. That there is nothing insurmountable to him. Everything, Augustine said this, one of the great, Augustine, one of the great names of early church history, said after trying to find peace in every sensual indulgence known to man, here's his quote, our souls are restless until they rest in thee, O God. Everything about God speaks peace to, to the one that trusts him. In Hebrews 13, 20, God the Father is called the God of peace. In Isaiah 9, 6, God the Son is called the Prince of Peace. And in Ephesians 4, 3, God the Holy Ghost is called the Spirit of Peace. They all cry out in a Trinitarian call. There is peace in God. There's peace in the Father, peace in the Son, and peace in the Spirit. The person of peace. But then the permanence of peace. Permanence of peace. She noted that Boaz was, a, was our kindred. Meaning her relationship, whether it was the, whether it was the, maybe the nephew 
of her husband, uh, uh, Elimelech, whatever the family relationship was, he was a kinsman, a kinsman redeemer. She was speaking of a close relationship that she had to Boaz, a familial relationship. Now, although Ruth had experienced his grace, she was sufficed by his gleanings and his givings, yet he had not taken her to wife yet. She did not enjoy that day, to, that day-to-day security of being married to Boaz. You know, Jesus is our kinsman redeemer, is he not? Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Through the incarnation in the Bethlehem stable, he was born flesh of our flesh, bone of our bone. Is he not the near kinsman to us? A kinsman that has paid redemption's price on Calvary's cross to take us as his own so that we might enjoy true, lasting peace in the eternal longevity of the one who defeated death, hell, and the grave? Is he not the one whose everlasting love cannot be broken by tribulation, by distress, by persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, violence of death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, nor any other creature in the universe can separate? Is that not peace in itself? A love of Jesus that can never be broken. Such a love demands, it demands our total rest within its embrace. What Jesus offers us demands us to find our peace in Him and only in Him. Death cannot separate us. Persecution, difficulty, as Romans 8 tells us, nothing can separate us from His love. It's not a here today, gone tomorrow love like we find displayed in all so many avenues of life. And why do we not experience this? Brother Ronnie, if this be true, why do I not experience it? Why? Because it comes from that daily, close communion with Jesus Christ. That intimate day-to-day walk with him. John 14, 23, Jesus answered, said to him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and I will come unto him, make my abode with him. Living out a close walk with the Lord allows us to experience and enjoy the peace of God that as a birthright is already there. It's already there. It's unbreakable. No matter matter if you experience unrest, if you experience trouble and doubt and all of the anxieties that are are lacking in, in having peace, whether you do not experience those things or you do experience them, that security is there for all who believe and trust in Christ. Close Hebrews 4, 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Just like Naomi in the temporal world promised to Ruth a rest in Boaz, so our Heavenly Father promises us a rest in Jesus. 
a rest to the people of God. Hebrews 4.11, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after, uh, any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Are you resting in Christ? Is the war between you and God over? Or are you still at enmity, lost without God? You have no peace with God because you've never repented and put your faith and trust in Him. And you're at odds with God. Or is it because that you have trusted God, you have peace with God, but you don't have the peace of God? And Paul said, with prayer and petition, make our requests made known unto God that the peace of God, you don't have that peace of God. You don't spend that time in prayer. You don't have that intimate walk with the Lord. Therefore, that peace is absent. You can have that. It's your birthright as a child of God, the peace of God. It's inherent in that, in that marital union with Christ. It's yours to have. It's yours to own. That daily walk with the Lord produces that peace with God in our lives. Let's stand to our feet, every head bowed and every eye closed. Do you have peace with God? That's the primary question. The primary question, do you have peace with God today? If you don't, I beg you to repent and believe the gospel. Christ died for our sins on the cross so that we can have peace with God. He bridged the gap, that the, the, the great expanse between our sin and, Christ, and, and God's holiness by his death on the cross, making a way for us to get to God. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, come. Know him today. Believe upon him. But maybe you're not experiencing that daily walk, that peace that is yours. It's inherent theologically in the union of yourself with Christ in faith and trust in him. Lay hold of that today. Ask God for it. Recommit yourself to that daily walk with him. Seeing things through the lens of his word. And so many times we experience anxiety and unrest just because we don't know his word and what he has said. He that defeated death has promised, my peace I give unto you, not as the world. It's not a, it's not a peace that can be easily taken away. It's a peace for your having. Own it. Have that in Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, I love you. I thank you for the peace that passes all understanding that is found in Jesus Christ and that in that prayerful communion with him. God, I pray that you would help us all to draw nearer, to know that peace. While so many things lay broken around us, we know that you will never break your word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You will never break your word. You are the faithful and true. You will never leave us nor forsake us. You will always be with us is your promise. Father, help us to latch hold of that and to walk daily in that peace, in fellowship with you. Cleanse our hearts, Lord. If there is sin that has gotten into our lives that has found its foothold, may we repent of it. May we expose it to you. May we, may we have your forgiveness and a, and a new start. And, and God, give us your Holy Spirit strength to say no to the sensual or the, or the, the monetary, positional pleasures of this life. Oh, God. Help us cling fully to your peace, not the peace that vanishes in empty vanity. God, help us to know and follow you. We ask this in Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. In your hymn book, page number 341.